let's stand. Let's get our Bibles. First John uh, is our study. We're going to be studying First John for a few a few services here. And tonight our lesson is entitled, uh, and I think it's behind me. Is it? Can you see it? Living the love of God. That's what we're entitling our lesson tonight. But we're actually studying First John. And so if you are bored with the Bible or the Bible doesn't interest you, you are in the wrong place. This is a place where we are having a Bible study. Hallelujah. We love the Bible. Amen. Now, I may not make it so you can, it, like, if you're looking at what I'm looking at, uh, I, let me turn around. Okay. So, um, all right. How's that coming through, Brother French? Like, that seems a little hard to see just a tad but uh, we're trying to work on it so we can see better um we'll we'll get it right someday so tonight our lesson is entitled living the love of god can you say that with me living the love of god so that's got you right some of you are saying whoa i can't wait for this bible study now of course the 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 subheading for the lesson is five Truth principles in parallel. Doesn't that sound awesome? <laughs> Come on, you could nod your head a little bit. Okay, five truth principles in parallel. In other words, principles, five principles that are taught in John. I, there's dozens, but we're going to look at five tonight. That are taught in parallels. In other words, you can only understand them, the principle is only understood when you see the parallel truths that are being taught in one lesson and then i'm going to look at five of those principles and of course that's first john and you can see the very first scripture is here but i want us to and we'll read it but first let's um let's pray and ask god to bless his word tonight heavenly father we thank you for the word of god i pray that our hearts will receive it lord that you'll help us understand many deep truths here in first john we thank you lord for this great apostle and for what it means to our heart and our lives and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to read the scripture, and then we'll be seated. 1 John 2, and what this is showing us is, and if you can't see it well there, I, I'm su suspecting it's a little tough to see, then we're going to read verse 3 and verse 5 before we're seated, all right? That's how it's going to come. And let's read it together. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his Commandments, verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And everyone said amen? All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Uh, thank you for standing. And uh, thank you for being here tonight. Now, tonight, the exciting thing is to... Uh, what I see in first John, the reason I love first John, it, it, of course, I love the Bible, but first John, the reason that first John excites me as a book in particular is that John weaves together the reality that you cannot claim to be a Christian and live like a devil. Okay. That's what John is really teaching. That's, that's sort of like, I mean, that's not supposed to be on the tape so we can erase that later. Um, that you, you can't live like a devil and think you're a Christian. You can't be Satan and think you're Jesus, see, because they just simply, it doesn't work together. 
And these kinds, this, it's another way of saying that holiness is required. There's no such thing as salvation without holiness, for example. Now, a lot of people think there is. Some people, a lot of people just think, oh, see, in our world, many people think that religion is like a thing you, it's your ticket to heaven. I, I'm so-and-so. I'm a, say, I'm a, well, let's not say. Uh, I'm this, and therefore, that's my ticket to heaven. Of course, I never go to church. I don't even know anything. God is this, you know, God is this creator of the world or whatever. But, but I don't, it doesn't change my life whatsoever. I'm just living like I always did. I just curse like I always did. I do everything I always did. But, I, of course, I am this kind of Christian. And Christianity has very little impact on their lives. And they think that they're going to uh, be okay, I suppose, and, and so on. But, of course, the Bible is clear that that's not going to happen. You're not going to live like a sinner and think you're going to be saved. It doesn't work. It isn't going to work. Now, we're not saying that people that struggle, God won't forgive and he's merciful. That, no, we're not talking about that. God is merciful. He cares. People are going to struggle. There's not a, no such thing as a child of God that doesn't struggle or a new person come to God. All of us know that we've all been there, and it takes the grace of God if we're going to be saved. Now, we all pretend that we're perfect. Oh, I'm perfect. See, we all do that. I can meet people like... Um, uh, I can know people uh, just got out of jail. You know, you see what I'm saying? I'm not, I hope I'm not talking to anybody this year, but you see what I'm saying? Uh, 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 they, they don't know that I know they just got out of jail. And, but when they meet me, because I'm the preacher, the, oh, oh, Reverend, oh, I just love Jesus. I love Jesus. And, and you know, see what I mean? The, the, and, that's, and I expect, and I don't say, oh, come on, I know you just got out of jail. I don't say that. Because what I, I'm, I understand that they're going to try to appear to, we, we call that putting our, do you ever hear this expression? We put our best foot forward. I don't know what our bad foot is, but you understand what I'm saying? The, the idea is we put our best foot forward. We, what's another way to say that? We, uh, we want people to think good of us. And, and so you don't turn around and try to slap people down and say, well, you, you're, you're, well, you're just a horrible Christian and so on or horrible person. But at the same time, how many knows that it's more important to be saved than to be nice to people? So you have to balance being uh, kind and generous to people at the same time, telling them the truth. You don't tell people, oh, you're going to go to heaven no matter what you do. In and out of prison, no big problem. You know, you, know, you murdered, no big deal. You, you don't tell people that. You tell them the truth, praise God. And the truth saves us. You shall know the Truth. You see, the truth is what saves folks. All right. So number one, here we go. And this is really what John is uh, is talking about. Now, you say, well, I thought we were talking about living the love of God. Well, that's what we are talking about. That is to say that the love of God is not what Hollywood says it is. See, Hollywood and the word love, the, the idea of love in our culture is completely lost. People say, like, I have a little cartoon by a cartoonist, one of them used to be a favorite. I, I don't even know if he's still living, but sometime back, he was a favorite cartoonist of mine. And he had a little cartoon that I, I tucked away somewhere. And, and there's this picture of, of a, a young man kneeling before this young lady, and, and he's, you can tell that he's proposing. And he says to her, of course, this is a, I mean, you'd have to know Sky Cal to understand the, the, the cartoon, but he, he's kneeling there and he says, uh, 
oh, some whatever her name was, will you marry me for a year or two? And that's in the cartoon. And it seems kind of, you know, it's kind of funny in, in a way, but it, it reflects, and of course, he, this is a cartoonist that tries to reflect what's happening in, in our culture. And, uh, and so someone thinks that's love because, hey, let's get together for a year or two, and, and, and that's love. That, that we have so destroyed the idea of love that it's, uh, many people can never recover from it because our culture is in serious serious trouble and people who think the culture is just fine and and there's not a problem in the world they're the people suffering from it and it's not until you tasted a little bit of the heavenly uh, the heavenly things and your your mind has been changed all right and and many people today don't have a clue what holiness is they think holiness is <laughs> I, I have no idea what holiness is you say, oh, well, oh, you know, God is holy. Well, what does that mean? Well, that, uh, I don't have any idea, but, you know, it just means he's way out there somewhere. They have no idea what holiness actually is. All right. Now, but, but love and holiness are tied together in the concepts of John. So let's look at five ways in which he parallels such things. Now, the first one is what I call love's parallel realities, and that is that perfected love and holiness are tied together. So he says in verse three of the second chapter, and hereby do we know that we know him. Everyone say know him. So how do I know that I know him? Well, if I am keeping his what? See, see, that's exactly what I just told you. The Bible says no matter what you do, you're going to heaven. And you know you're, you're serving God no matter no matter what you do, you're just going to heaven. No, John said that doesn't work. What? is in fact true is the only way that we can know that we truly know God is if we are in fact being obedient and keeping his commandments. Now, of course, the whole idea of commandments now is considered, you know, Hollywood and the, and the types have so denigrated the idea of anybody living by uh, any kind of rules and serving God and being holy and so on. <clears throat> they laugh at it. It's just, it's just almost comedy routine these days, the idea that someone would live holy. But guess what? While Hollywood's doing all that, there's still millions and millions and millions and millions of people that are longing to walk in the presence of God and be holy before God. Now, they may not be out there parading it on the street because uh, the world's laughing at them, but they're still... Uh, a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost and people who are being called into holiness and who want to be obedient to the word of God. How do we know what God's commandments are? Anybody know? He's given them to us. His commandments are given to us in his word. Can we just thank God? Can we just clap our hands and thank God for the word of God? Of course, if you're uh, doing everything except reading the Bible, then you might not know. Of course, you know, that would make it hard to know if you're never paying attention to them. But, of course, his word gives us his word. It's right here. So if we keep his commandments. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. If we keep his word, then his love is perfected in us. The proof of God's love working in us is that we are being a reflection of who Jesus is. Does anybody here want to be like Jesus tonight? Now, I didn't say is anybody here exactly like Jesus and you're perfect. You've never made a mistake. 
The hunger of the child of God is to be like Jesus. The song says to be like Jesus all through life's journey from earth. Anybody remember that old song? Sister French and I used to sing it quite a bit. I only want to be like him. Praise God. Amen. 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 Oh, I want to sing that so bad, but I'm not going to. You're all saying, Lord, please don't let him sing that. All right. To be like, <laughs> I'm going to do it yet. No, no, I, I'm going to try not to. So whoever, I'm going to kind of reword this. So whoever then obeys the word of God and follows the word of God, in him truly is God's love perfected. Praise God. How many of you would be proud? Listen to me. Let me. Let's think of a kind of an example. How many of you would be proud of a son or a daughter that murdered people, hated you, told you you were a dog in front of other people? How many would just think, oh, I'm so proud of him. Oh, I love it when he curses me out in public like that. Nobody's proud of someone that says, hey, I, my, my child is this a person that has not followed anything that I've tried to teach him to do. Now, I'm not saying it's not a lesson on parenting. What I'm trying to say is that when your words are followed and you're obedient to those words, for example, you say, no, no, don't steal. Don't lie. Now, we all know that people learn to lie in other places besides at home. But it, when you teach them and you say, here's the words, the same is true of God's word. When someone obeys or listens to the word of God. Now, we may, have, we may struggle with the word of God. And someone might even say, I got a call today. Someone is asking me about, um, say, uh, ooh, hallelujah, about holiness. And why we did certain things and don't do certain things. And I said, okay, okay, are you sitting down? And yeah, we're sitting down. Okay, now here's why we don't do that. How many knows that some things should not be done because they're not right to do? You shouldn't do them. Let's take one for example. I'm going to knock you off of your seat. Here you go. You better hold on. You should not lie. I thought you were going to fall off of your seats. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going. So holiness allows the love of God to be perfected in us. When we are holy, when we're obedient, when we follow what he tells us to do, and we live the way he tells us to do, and we do what he tells us to do. Someone said, hey, listen, no, no, you're not listening. Um, some, they said to me today, well, what does it matter? Let's take, for example, let's, let's go to another one. I'm trying to knock you off your seat here. You should not murder people. See, I'm trying to use something that very few people in this room are going to disagree with. I hope no one disagrees, but that's the risk we take. What? Does it matter? Well, of course, in that instance, if murder, murder wasn't the topic, but if murder were, were the topic, we could say, well, because for one thing, you'll, you, you will go to prison. We could say that. What they wanted to know was, what does it matter? And I very happily responded, because it matters to God. And when it matters to God, it matters to his children. 
And so his children then begin to react in certain ways. Now, uh, does that mean that we carry our feelings on our, uh, what's, what's, what do we say? Do we say on my sleeve? I never have understood that. Why would you carry it on? Uh, is that the right expression? So Sister French is here, I can use, Sister French and I can help do this. There's my sleeve. So you carry it on your sleeve, like a napkin or something? So they can see it, like I wrote it on the sleeve, on the shoulder. All right, so, but the point, I think, of the idiom is that we don't, we don't run around. <clears throat> okay, someone doesn't agree with me, and they think you should murder people. Or you should lie all the time. Who, oh, you could lie about like, oh, if you're cheating on your wife, you could lie about that. Uh, so certain lies are okay. And, and, they, and they actually believe that. Why am I going to go, ah, oh, my goodness, you believe you could lie. What a dog. You're a dog. No, we don't. That's what I mean by you don't. The, <laughs> okay, this, I'm having to teach like this to get some of you. Okay, so what's it mean, Sister French, if you have a, okay, now, not all at one time. Just help me through this. A chip on my shoulder. I, I know. I know what it means. But okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. No, what I, what I mean is, why do we say that? You have a chip. Why would anybody have a chip? Do they mean a piece of something that you... But if I have something on my shoulder, I want it off. Uh, I'm, I'm having, I'm really struggling tonight, folks. Okay, so somewhat, what, but the expression means to me, you've got a chip on your shoulder, which means, okay, now listen, you're not listening, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have a hard time with what you're doing. I'm, the chip on my shoulder means that I don't like the way you're responding to me. And so the chip means I'm, I don't like what you're doing, Right? To have a chip on your shoulder. Does it mean that or not? Do you think it means that? Sister French, you're the expert. And you, if you don't know it. Brother French, let me ask you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, but if you, if you have a chip, if someone says you got a chip on your shoulder, doesn't that mean that they... You've got a chip on your shoulder means you're sensitive. What do you think? That's what I just said. That's what I'm saying. That to have a chip on your shoulder. So as a Christian, we shouldn't run around, Brother Elder Thomas. If, 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 am I making sense here? Do I need to get back in the Bible? Okay. Um, so you've got a chip on your shoulder. Christians shouldn't be running around with chips on their shoulder. Now, if that means potato chips, then I'm completely out of the, I don't know what it means, but we shouldn't be going and saying, oh, I don't believe in Jesus now. Oh, you don't believe like I do. Well, then I can't stand you. You're a dog. I keep saying dog, but you, you know that I don't hate dogs. What I mean is that you're, you're a horrible thing. All right, you see what I'm saying? Christians shouldn't have to be propped up to believe the truth because they don't like the way you dress fine. I'm going to dress the way God wants me to dress. I don't care what the world thinks about it. Praise God. By the way, you should be modest in your dress. 
And if you're not modest, you're not holy, and then you're in trouble. You need to strive to be holy. Now, do I know people that are not where they should be, but they're trying? Yes, I do. I know people that are trying, and, and they'll say to me, now, tell me again, can I smoke, uh, can I smoke a cigar maybe? And, you know, well, maybe no, I don't think. Could I chew it? Well, I don't think I would chew it. Uh, could I? Uh, could I just take snuff and put it in my lip, and 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 then I'll be okay? No, I don't think I'd put any snuff in your lip. I think I'd take tobacco and throw it as far away from you as you can get it. That's what I would do with tobacco. Or heroin. Or drugs. You shouldn't, you say, well, that's a crazy thing. Do you know how many people I meet? I meet more people in a week that are struggling with heroin addiction than I do struggling with cigarettes. That's the world. Did, did you know that a report has just come out this week of how many people in Georgia are dying daily from meth? I'm going to get the, I heard it, I read it, I'm going to get it and report on it. But it, 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 it stunned me. I was so stunned, I could barely believe it. So, back to the chip on the shoulder. <sighs> we should, okay, let's go to the next one. We, we, they can't take anymore. All right, so. Uh, so it is that we should keep his commandments. Everyone say, keep his commandments. Now, that sounds like old-fashioned something, but that's just another way of saying we should obey God. Whatever God says, I'm going to do that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to do that. Um, uh, mm, I don't know if I should. I, I, mm, Sister French. Okay, so I was, oh, I'm going to look right at you, and then I won't say anymore. All right, so the, the grandbaby was there this morning, and, and Sister Vince said, come here, come here, come here, come here. And she had the little baby doll, and I was, it was early, and I was about to go out the door. And she said to the baby doll, whose name is Sarah, by the way, Sarah, she said, don't you, what'd she say? Don't you talk back to me. Don't you say those words. And what was the third thing she said? I'm not going to chase you. Now, this baby doll is about this big. Those are the three things that she said. And then we kind of slipped out, and I said, I've got to go, I've got to go. And she said, those are the three things, those are three things that I have said to her. And she <laughs> and I said, you told her you're not going to chase her? And which was news. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Sister French, I shouldn't probably bring this up. I'm sorry. Um, so evidently, for some reason, some odd reason, uh, Sister uh, Vera, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not going to chase you. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. All right. She learned that. Uh, she's now teaching it to her little rubber dolly because she learned it, see? So when you're obedient to the words of God and you, the Lord says to you, no, 
For example, we got a culture that's kicking against the pricks like you wouldn't believe. We're literally reinventing marriage and every other law that has ever been instituted in order to say no to what God has already said. But it will change nothing. You must obey his word. You must love his word. Okay, okay, okay. Now, let's look at uh, Jeremiah because I want to make a comparison. Jeremiah 7 and our scripture here in John, I'm going to have to go faster. I realize that. All right, because there's five things and we're still at one. But this thing commanded I them, talking about uh, at the Exodus, saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well unto you. See, that's verse 20, uh, that's 23. I, I didn't, I'm sorry, didn't number it. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. And that was God's assessment of Israel. Okay, now let's go to number two. Here we go, the third, the third slide. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Okay, now let's move on. We have five parallel principles that we want to look at. And we've just looked at the first one, the relationship of holiness to perfecting God's love in our lives. In other words, if you love God and you want it perfected in your life, then you will uh, obey him. You will be obedient to his word. Now, <clears throat> let's ask this question. How do you know if you are living the love of God? Okay, that's our question. How do I know if I'm living the love of God? Because I never can look at myself and say, you know, I'm just so loving. And, man, I'm as loving as God is, obviously, because uh, I'm not God. So let's ask, uh, let's look at the question this way. Are you asking, am I asking this question? Does Living the love of God mean that I'm living a blessed life? In other words, God has blessed me, so I'm living the love of God and basically living in the love of God. In other words, God loves me, so he's blessed me. By the way, we live in a culture that says if you're a millionaire, God's blessed you. If you don't have much, the God must not love you very much, which is absolutely wrong, not true, doesn't fit scripture whatsoever. All your money in the world is not going to buy you heaven. You're not going to get to heaven because you're a multi-billionaire or whatever else. You may can buy the presidency and you may can buy the kingdom and you may can buy every ship in the ocean, but it will not get you in heaven. I can tell you that right now. All right. So uh, does it mean that you're blessed and that you're living in his love? Uh, the answer would be no, because that's only half the truth. What is the other half of the truth? demonstrating that his love is in you by loving others. That's the beginning place of living the love of God. If anybody ought to be undoing racism in our culture, it shouldn't be the Supreme Court. It should be godly Christians who say, I will not hate. I will not cause others pain. I will live a Christian life. I will live as Christ would live. I will obey his word. So demonstrating that by loving others in all kinds of contexts, including the one that I just mentioned. So the one that is the, the one idea of, of living is living in the love of God. Does anybody feel tonight like you're blessed? Could you just lift your hands and thank God for your blessings right now? Lord, I'm so blessed. 
I'm so thankful for the blessings of God in my life, and I praise you for it. But the other, one is living in the love of God. The other is living out the love of God or living it out in your actions by showing others that you are loving. For example, let me, let me use this. That is, of course, love as a verb. Um, uh, there have been times when people would ridicule Pentecostalism to me, at a, let's say at a university. Uh, let's say I would be teaching or, or in, a, in a setting where they were very educated and they might say something very condescending. Do you, you know what, con what I mean by condescending? They would con almost like, oh, well, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you, whatever. <clears throat> in which case you could easily take offense or you could uh, react with kind of bristles and, you know, bristle yourself up or whatever, you know, some way resist them. But love demands a different response. The minute someone says, I think your belief is stupid, and the kids are not in it. We're not allowed to say stupid, are we, Sister French? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a bad word in four and under. Uh, is that a bad word in y'all's house? Okay, so you can't say stupid. Did I say stupid? Okay, um, all right. Um, well, that's what they said, that Pentecostalism was dumb. Can you say dumb? Not really. All right, well, we just can't say much here tonight, so we're going to, but you're getting the point that they were trying to say that Pentecostalism was stupid. And they might have even meant that people who are Pentecostal are stupid. See, they might have meant that. I, I never admitted to it, but that's kind of what, that was sort of, the, I, they didn't think I was stupid. Now, I've had, I've had people walk right up to me and say, I think Pentecostals are not very smart, but not you, Talmadge. I've had them do that. Now you, I've seen this or that or whatever, and, and, and they thought they were winning me over. That by excluding me from the not-so-whatever crowd, I was going to just well up with appreciation, and I was going to just love it so much that they didn't put me in that category. But I have made it a policy of mine. When someone ridicules me, not others, if they ridiculed you, I would defend you. But I've made it a policy not to defend myself. I had a guy hold a knife to my throat one time and say, you, I could just, I'd like to cut your throat and started cursing the name of Jesus. And I said, listen, bud, you can curse me all day long. But do not curse that name. Because you are talking about the God of the universe. That's who you're talking about. What love does is love finds a way. Love finds a way. It doesn't defend itself. It doesn't. Uh, set around trying to hurt and attack other people. What love does is it demonstrates God's love to other people at all times. 
So whatever, I, I could maybe give an example, but, but I think you understand how many knows we need to love other people and we need to quit trying to uh, be petty and, and, and <laughs> worry. Just defend the truth and love people in spite of their wrongdoing. I didn't say compromise with them. I didn't say curse along with them. I said, don't let it become a, a personal insult, but love them in spite of it. And let them know that you recognize what they were doing and that you care about them anyway. Didn't matter that they were being insulting. I, I, still, I still appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you for being honest that you evidently believe that. But, uh, but let me tell you about the night that I went to the first altar where I began to speak in other tongues. You see, it makes a difference when people say, you mean you? I had a professor one time said to me, Talmud, you mean you're a tongue talker? He was absolutely, he had that look of like he'd just seen the one-eyed monster. This is how I'm having to teach tonight just to keep you folks alert here. So he... He, he was absolutely, I said, yes, I'm a Pentecostal. You're a Pentecostal? I said, yes. What, 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 what are you, what's, what, what, what's wrong? Oh, my goodness, I didn't know. There were normal Pen Pentecostals. Oh, my goodness. You're, you're upsetting my entire worldview. You actually, now tell me, you tell me yourself, you personally have spoken in a language you do not know what language. You, yes. I said, and it's worse than that. And he goes, <gasps> I do it every day. You do what every day? <laughs> I speak in tongues every day. I, I sometimes I, I talk in tongues while I'm driving the car. I didn't say, oh, how stupid anybody to think that. No, I just I just helped him a little bit. And I didn't run from it. How many knows we ought to stand up for truth wherever we are and whatever we're doing? All right, number, uh, keep going. We're going to finish this up now. So. What does God's love do for us? It lifts us from sin into righteousness or lifts us up. So love not only lifts us up and into a higher dimension, it lifts us away. Everybody say away. This is in the first, like the little white box. Away from things that are unworthy. That's what the love of God does. How many knows that the love of God makes us better people? The love of God lifts us from sin. Thank God he lifted me. We, what was that old song? What's, there's an old hymn that says, um, oh, I can't remember it. Um, no, oh, love lifted me. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, that's not the song I was thinking of, but that's a good one. He, uh, love, what was it? Love lifted me. All right, we'll leave it at that. So it lifts us from unworthiness. First John one and eight, if we say we have no sin, let's read. Can you see it? Can we read that? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Anybody that says now there's two types of people that say they're above sin. They've, they never sin. And people who say there's no such thing as sin. What our culture is sinning at is they're saying, oh, I, that's not a sin. I've been doing that for years. Nobody tell me that's wrong. 
See, that's what they're doing. They're telling God, God can't tell me that's wrong. I'll do that as long as I want to. Well, sure you will. But that's exactly how God made you. You can do that until the cows come home if you want to. Okay, so that's because that's what sin does. Verse 9, let's read it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. See, he lifts us by forgiveness. So notice the little thing at, at the top there. Loving and forgiving are two sides of the same truth. Praise God. You say you love someone, then you've got to forgive them. You've got to, no matter what it is they're doing, no matter how bad it may be, how many knows that we need to love our world? Let's lift our hands and ask God. Father, right now, help us to love others like we've never done it in Jesus' name. We ask it right now. We give you praise. All right, now let's go to number three. All right? I want to look at uh, uh, 1 John 14 and 6. That's the little square box with the brown around it now we're looking at the parallel points of how salvation is made possible and how to have power to live above sin in other words we're saved from sin and then we're given the power to live above it these are the parallel points that john talks about now in the gospel of john jesus said can you uh read it with me i am the way the truth and the life. That is another way of saying that the way we are saved is only through Jesus Christ. You can't be saved any other way. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Can't be saved because you're nice or you help people across the street or you, you never uh, knock anybody's Legos over. You never go do any bad things. That You can't be saved because of that. Nobody could ever be saved because of the nice things that they do. But we're given, let's look at four scriptures here. And that is to show that our salvation comes from Jesus and the power to live right comes from Jesus. Amen. Everybody say amen. We need the power, and so that also comes from Jesus. Now, let's look at Isaiah 43. All right, it's quite small, but let's look at the first scripture. Uh, and, and forget the penal substitution and imputed righteousness. In other words, I needed a savior. And that savior, how could I be saved? Who, what is it that could bring about my salvation? Here we go. Isaiah 43, God blots out your transgressions and will not remember your sins. Has anybody ever been there? You needed the Lord's forgiveness and he wiped out all of your transgressions. Praise God. Let's clap our hands and thank God for sins forgiven. All of those sins are gone, and he remembers them no more. They're gone forever. All right, John 2 and 2, and this is our scripture for here. And he is the propitiation. I'm going to give out a, a prize if you can say. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really have a prize. If you can say propitiation, everyone try it. That was excellent. All right. Propitiation. It's one of those unique words. All right. And we'll go back to that in a minute. So he is the propitiation for our sins and not our for our sins only, but for but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, he's the only answer for the whole world. Now, Second Corinthians five says for our sake, he made he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. And Romans 5 says, if because of one man's trans trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace 
and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, you notice that there's a scripture. It says 1 John 2, 1, and there's an arrow that goes down. And you can see the letters in black here. I do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've, got to, I've got to use it at least once. Hold on. Right here. All right, follow this. Don't, don't read that. Don't read that line right there that says subjunctive of probable potential. Don't read that. All right, we're here. All right, and notice I put that in there because if it's a subjunctive, that's how it's to be translated, that you might not sin. So I've written you these things that you might not sin. It's a subjunctive of probable potential, which means I have a, it is possible for me to live, see, probable intention, uh, probable potential. I could say prob not probable intention, probable potential. For example, come on, we're almost there, folks. We don't have to spend a lot more time. All right, I, okay, here we go. What potential is there? I wish I were an Oscar Meyer Wiener. Is there any potential whatsoever? Don't answer it. Don't answer it. All right, but the answer, of course, is no. You can wish all day. Has anybody ever heard that, by the way? Is that just me? I, how long ago do you think that was? That's been a while. And then there was, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. But anyway, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer Wiener. That goes back. Had you ever heard that, Bishop? Okay, you heard it. It's not very spiritual, but you've heard that. Okay, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer Wiener. All right, well, so you can say that all day long, but... There is no potential of you ever being an Oscar Mayer Wiener. It's not possible. And the Greeks had a way of saying no potential, uh, probable potential. It is going to happen. There's no way it can't happen and so on. This is called probable potential. That is to say that how, can I live above sin? Yes, it's very probable. If you allow the Holy Ghost and the word of God in your life, it is probable that you will live above sin. You can do it. You recognize and utilize the power of the spirit to overcome and so forth and so on and so forth. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here we go. So now we're back to this. What is, we're almost there. What is propitiation? Everyone say that. Propitiation. All right. That was pretty good. What is propitiation? Think of propitiation as the satisfying of the conditions required for freedom. How many see that that's a picture of a gentleman sitting in a jail cell? Can you see it? Is it clear enough? Okay, and there's a gentleman there standing. This is an actual picture. This has nothing to do with religion. That's an actual jail. That's an actual picture. I'm just using it so you can understand what propitiation is. The satisfying of the conditions required for freedom. Now, this gentleman, I don't know anything about him, so I'm not, I, 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 uh, so this is just a one-time deal. We're just using it tonight. If he's still in jail, I don't know anything about it, all right? But, <laughs> Sister French, that, that, that uh, I, I mean that. I don't know him at all. Okay, um, but why do you go into jail? Because you have to satisfy conditions of your sentence. Propitiation is some way or other the requirements for freedom have been met. 
if you're guilty. Now, if you're found to be innocent, if you're in there, how many ever heard of someone who was in jail for 20 years and they find out later this is happening more and more because of uh, DNA and so on. They could go in there. Oh, that, that, that wasn't your blood. That was somebody else. Oh, I've been in jail for 20 years. I told you it wasn't me. Well, we didn't believe you. Well, obviously, you've been in jail for 20 years. The minute they find out, that they call that exoneration. They find out that the person didn't do the crime, the the. The, the new DNA test prove it wasn't him or her, whatever the case, and they and they are then free. So that is exactly what propitiation is. Jesus became, and this is we're talking about the living the love of God, folks. If you can't love Him after knowing He did all of that for you, then you don't know what love is. Hallelujah! He loved me. Hallelujah! In fact, one songwriter said it this way. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Hallelujah. He loved me and he paid the, the price. Or another word for propitiation, you could almost say a substitute. That'd be okay, I think. All right? And so it is. So First John says he is the propitiation for our sins. Romans 3 says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. Because redemption means purchase. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Which or that are past. Can you say praise the Lord? All right? And number four. Let's look here at 1 John 2, 5. Whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God. So obedience, number four, to the word of God. Then means that if I love God, then I'm going to love his word. What, what if you had a, you said, well, I love my my wife but i don't ever don't ever speak to me whatever you do i love you but don't ever speak to me don't ever want to hear your voice don't ever talk to me at all but i love you oh i love you a lot but don't don't don't, don't say a word that would be lunacy and i know of no place where that happens and what I'm trying to show you is when you love someone, in fact, when you love someone, what do you want to do? You want to please them. You want to talk to them. You want to hear their voice. How many ever heard someone say, I love you so much I never want to hear your voice? What if you got a, what if you got a, a Valentine's card and it said, oh, my darling, I love you and I never want to hear your voice again? You would say, what? Where'd you get this card? They don't say, I never want to hear your voice again. They say, oh, just to hear your voice. Your eyes are like whatever. And they say that, just like the song of Solomon. That's what love does. Love says, I love you, and, and, and that's the person I want to be with. Oh, you're the person I love, and I never, ever want to be with you. That's how much I love you. That, that, that's just not, nobody talks that way because love wants to hear and be with the one that is loved. And so it is with God. His, we obey his word because he is God. He died for us. He's the propitiation. And so I love his word. And, and so how many love his word here tonight? Okay, so we love his word. And then it goes on to say we ought also so to walk even as what? 
as he walked. And of course, walked means lived. That's, that's basically what it means. So we should live as he lived. And so it is. Now, let's, let's go to uh, the quote by uh, <clears throat> Martin Luther King Jr. Let no man, of course, 1 John 4 says God is love. Everyone say God is love. Okay, we're almost done. Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. He also said in another uh, sermon, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I've preached more than one sermon uh, based on uh, Dr. King's message on love because it is a very powerful message. But, of course, it is all taken from 1 John 2, who so ever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause of stumbling. That's the ESV. All right, let's go to the next slide. So it is, so we're to love. So, but what, how are we to love? We're to love the right things. And so here the parallel is between being holy and still loving people. In other words, I'm holy, but I still love people who are unholy. I, just because they're not what I think they ought to be, I can still love them. How many understand what I'm saying? That's the parallel. Now, he said, love not the world, verse 15, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. In other words, the, the, the lust of the flesh is the pull of the sin nature to do what they shouldn't do. The pride of uh, the, the lust of the eyes is the, the, what the world attracts you to do. That is the world that's all around us. And the pride of life is what Satan is doing. Satan is constantly trying to get you to be what you are not, telling you you can have the fruit when God says no and so on. So that is what basically those three components are what some people call the, the prongs of the triangle of sin. So that the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of God. It's of the world. Everyone say of the world. Those are things of the world. That's why the, and it says the world passeth away the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. So three things. Worldly things are sinful. This is where we get the idea of worldly. There are things that are worldly and they're sinful because they're of the world. Number two, separation from worldly sinful things is the first requirement of holiness. If you don't separate from sin, then you cannot be holy. No matter how much you may struggle, as long as you're sinning in the process, it will pull you into ungodliness. Number three, this very separation that John is speaking of is an issue of eternal importance. So one needs to get a hold of God with all their might and let go of the world. Can you say praise the Lord? All right, now one more. Th let's see if there's one more. All right, no, there's not. Let's stand. I'm going to skip the last one. We'll, get, we'll, we'll come back another route. But let's stand together. And I want us to pray two things, that God will make us loving people and that he will touch our community even though they're not in the church, that God will give us a love for them like we have never had to reach out to the unsaved. 
Can you say praise the Lord? Can we lift a hand and let's pray right now? Father, right now, I thank you for each and every one that's here. Thank you for the workers in the, in the kids' chapel. Thank you for your spirit that's moving here. I pray, Lord, that your blessing will be upon us, that you will help us to follow you in all things, to live for God and to rise above this world. Lord, not let this world pull us back, but to reach out and go forward, Lord, in your, in your name. And we praise you for it. Lord, if anybody's struggling, if anybody, Lord, is discouraged, I ask you to encourage them tonight and bless them. Help them to know you and to follow you, Lord, and to give you all the glory. Praise God. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for being in the house of God.